When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another Baseball America Farm System podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We are here to break down the Atlanta Braves farm system today. And to do that, I am joined as always by Carlos Colazzo, our draft writer, and uh, every fall, our Braves top 30 prospects writer. Carlos, thanks for joining me today. How's it going, Kyle? Thanks for having me, man. This should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, Carlos, I feel like we kind of have the same conversation every single year over the last three years when we talk about the Braves farm system. It's not the deepest group. It's not the best group. As we talk through it, it might not sound all that exciting, but just remember, it's okay because you have one of the best teams in in the majors with a ton of homegrown talent that's locked up for a very, very long time. So, this is just the classic. Had a great farm system top farm system in baseball two years in a row they brought those guys to the majors water world series locked them up and now they're in the process of backfilling and we've seen them do so successfully we've seen some recent graduates the last couple of years spencer strider of course michael harris of course to a lesser degree von grissom so there's always some guys in the system it's not empty by any means but it's certainly not the deepest system when we talked at this point last year the braves had the number 30 farm system in baseball and again not a big deal Clearly, you would trade that for a 104-win big league team every year. It's fine. When you look at the system now, would you say it's better? I mean, in some ways, it's like nowhere to go but up. But how do you kind of assess it now compared to this point last year when it was the number 30 farm system? Yeah, I'd say maybe a little bit better. Um, honestly, the the shape of the farm system as a whole hasn't changed entirely too much. I think in a lot of ways, you're right. Like, we've had a similar conversation for really three years with this Brave system. It's routinely been near the bottom. But to your point, like they've continued to produce a few players that have complemented this really established, exciting core of position players. Um, they do have a couple of pitchers, I think, have a chance to rank in decent spots on a top 100. I think that alone should probably separate them from a few other orgs that might be in the running for the very worst farm system in baseball this offseason. Um, so I think it's it's solid-ish at the top um, because of that. It falls off fairly quickly. I think the same criticisms that we maybe had for the Braves system a year ago or two years ago um, remain now. Like there are not a lot of really exciting depth pieces on the hitting side. The top five, I think, is a really solid group of pitching prospects with the top two players being very near to the majors. AJ Smith-Shaver has already gotten a taste of the big leagues. Hurston Waldrop had a phenomenal pro debut. Uh, in reach AAA. Uh, beyond that, there are some exciting players like a J.R. Richie or Owen Murphy who might take a little bit longer. Uh, just given their age and background and various injury 
injuries that they're dealing with. So the top five is fine. Um, and I think maybe you could be excited about it. And beyond that, I don't know that you have a single position player or hitter that you can confidently say is going to be an everyday player. But at the same time, the Braves don't really have any openings for that sort of player. So it's a good problem to have, I guess you could say. And I think moving forward, the Braves really hitting on maybe an international prospect that that takes steps forward and lives up to some of the hype that that those players have when they're signed, I think would be good for them. Um, outside of that, like I, I expect it to rank somewhere in the 25 to 30 range, um, but that's kind of what we're looking at. Yeah, and again, it's going to take a few years to backfill, especially when you're picking at the back of the first round every year. The Braves had those international signing penalties left over from uh, their international signing scandal that cost uh, general manager John Coppola and others their jobs. So again, it's slowly building back up, and we have seen them have a couple of picks that have hit big, and, and like you talked about, with the team they have in the major leagues, all you really need is one or two guys that can come up and help out every now and then. It's not like there's a wave of prospects that you're hoping all hit. To that end, as you mentioned, the top two pitchers in the system, well, top two prospects in the system, who are both pitchers, I should say, got up to the upper levels last year. We saw A.J. smith Shaver shoot from low A all the way to the major leagues for a taste. We saw Hurston Waldrep, their first-round pick, go from college baseball in June to AAA by the end of the season. There's a very, very, very heavy pitcher flavor at the top of this top 10. The top five prospects in the system are all pitchers. When it came down to smith Shaver versus Waldrop, it feels fair to say that's the top tier. Those were the two guys in consideration for one-two. How close was the discussion between who was going to be number one between those two pitchers? Yeah, starting out in this process, I'd say it was pretty reasonably close for me. I mean, I got a chance to cover both these players as amateurs. Obviously, Waldrop a little bit more fresh in mind coming off of a strong season with Florida as their Saturday starter. Entering the process, I'd say I kind of had them neck and neck. I could see a case made for either one of them um, to be number one. I think as I as I got through some of the reporting and talked with people, uh, specifically people outside of the system, external scouts are really just seem very excited about AJ Smith Jobber's upside potential. The combination of his age, athleticism, and control, I think those are three factors that maybe push him above Hurston Waldrop. You could maybe make a case that Outside of the fastball, Waldrop has better pure pitch mix compared to Smith Schauver. Uh, but I think there are real question marks with how many how many strikes Waldrop's going to throw, how well he establishes that fastball. He probably has a bit more on the reliever risk side right now, although I think to various degrees, both these players have some of that risk still. Uh, you want them both to improve their com- command and their strike throwing. But it's hard to knock a, a 20 year old who's already getting a taste of the big leagues, who has a potential plus slider, who has a potential plus fastball, and also broke out the curveball a little bit more often this year. I mean, that's a pitch that the Braves had scrapped for him uh, in the past few seasons. It's a pitch that he had thrown as a high schooler. Uh, and it was kind of quietly one of the better curveballs in the system. I mean, the Braves are like a number of teams at this point who are really focusing on the slider as primary breaking ball for most pitchers, but they're not afraid to let a pitcher throw a curveball if they show some capacity to throw it well. And I think that's a pitch that, that has served A.J. Smith-Shaver well. Um, and so I think probably age, starter likelihood are, are kind of the factors that separate Smith-Shaver from Waldrop, but it's really a 1A, 1B scenario here. And I think both of them have pretty exciting upside if they're able to really shore up some of their weaknesses and areas of growth. Yeah, you talk about Smith-Shaver. He was 20 years old the entire season. He actually just turned 21 today here as we record this podcast on November 20th. So 
as we talked about, he was low A last year. And, and at that level at Augusta, he showed really promising stuff, but he was pretty rough for all the loud stuff he showed. He had an ERA over five. He was averaging more than five walks per nine. Didn't give up a lot of hard contact, not many home runs. Even his hits per nine was fine, but there was a lot of stuff over pitchability there. And those guys, especially high school arms, typically take a little bit to kind of figure it out. We saw him figure it out rapidly, shot up from high to double A to triple A and, and got taste of the majors. What changed for AJ Smith Shaver this year? I mean, he lo- he almost halved his ERA as he moved up to the highest level of the minors. Yeah, I think it's just he's slowly kind of improved the delivery, being able to repeat that delivery. I know in the past it was sort of a delivery and an operation that got a lot of criticism. It was very raw, like you mentioned. Coming out of high school, he was not a pitcher who had really focused on pitching all that much. Um, it was a ball of clay. The Braves love taking shots on players like that. They've got a good track record of getting the most out of their pitchers and player development. One thing that I've noticed the Braves seem to do a pretty good job of is helping their pitchers throw more strikes, whether that's cleaning up some of the delivery, changing the pitch mix and the approach, or, or just changing how their pitchers are trying to operate and what their goals are on the mound. I think they've done a really good job of maximizing the strikes. Even Guys who aren't with the Oregon anymore, Ryan Cusick coming out of Wake Forest, he had real strike throwing issues in a very brief time with Atlanta. The strikes were a lot better. I think it's just a case of him being on the mound more consistently, learning his body, smoothening out the delivery a little bit. Um, and yeah, you see improvements. He still needs to improve in that area. I mean, the overall walk rate is better, but it's still not great uh, for a player who you think has front of the rotation upside. He needs to throw more strikes and walk fewer batters to maximize that that ability and upside. But I think it's just the little things that the Braves were expecting him to figure out as he learned, as he figured out how to control his body more often and really just trust his stuff. I mean, I think you can maybe say the pitch grades have come down a little bit since he's moved up the minor leagues and um, the effectiveness hasn't been quite as electric, but he has learned to trust his stuff more often and put his pitches over the plate. And they're good enough to play if he does that. He doesn't have to be this pinpoint command guy. I don't think he's, he's ever going to be that sort of pitcher. Uh, but he has the power stuff and the athleticism that if he distrusts it and puts it over the plate, um, the, the walk should come down. And I think that's something you're going to look forward to him doing even more in the future. Yeah, you mentioned front of the rotation stuff, but obviously the walk rate's a little high. What is the likely potential we're looking at here? Is it mid-rotation? Do you think he gets that front of the rotation? At the end of the day, what is the overall potential here for A.J. smith Shaver? Yeah, I think most likely is probably like a number three type pitcher, number three that maybe pitches like a two or maybe even a one on certain days. But at this point, I would want to see more from the command department and maybe the slider and the fastball, both uh, retaining, I guess, the the pitch grades we had on him a year ago at this time. I think I knocked the slider grade down just because it honestly didn't just it just didn't play as well um, this year as it did against the lower levels. And I, so I think that maybe caps the upside potential, or at least the likelihood to get to that point. Um, so most likely, I'd say mid-rotation starter for him, really quality pitcher. Um, I, I still think there are error bars on either side where he could either jump up uh, from that a little bit. Maybe he's a consistent number two. If the fastball shape gets a little bit better, if the slider, if he's able to uh, kind of bounce back for, with that slider like it was a year ago. Um, so I think probably three or four starter um really i would say three we put a 60 high on him i think that's a number three starter and and then like worst case scenario i think he still has the stuff to pitch well in a reliever role if the strikes just back up entirely but he just seems like too good of an athlete for that to happen so i think your most like likely outcome is some sort of mid-rotation caliber arm which is a really valuable piece 
Oh yeah. Every team needs good number three starters to be world championship caliber teams. And then we saw the Braves, you know, injuries happen. They certainly could have used a number three caliber starter in the postseason. So yeah, there's no question that that's a very, very valuable pitcher. I want to go back to something you said earlier about the Braves and their ability to help pitchers throw more strikes. They drafted Hurston Waldrop out of Florida in the first round this year. And that was the big thing with Waldrop on any given day. You could see three plus pitches, but the strikes were just not where they needed to be for him to project yep. to be this, you know, front of the rotation guy. Got up to AAA two months after being drafted. Again, small sample, very, very early returns. What are the Braves seeing in Waldrop and how are they helping him? Because he was he was not just getting up to AAA, he was successful getting up to AAA. Yeah, I think you can make a case that he had one of the most impressive pro debuts of any pitcher taken in this draft class. I mean, the Braves are notoriously aggressive in pushing their players and activating them quickly and letting them throw innings. Even after he threw 100 innings for Florida, I think a lot of other orgs might have not even activated him or, or at least thrown him as much as he did. He threw 29 innings. I think he had more strikeouts than any other 2023 draftee. So he had a lot of work and he was um, solid. Like you said, I mean, there's 1.53 ERA. Probably, again, the walk's still not where you want them to be, but he misses so many bats that, that he can just be really effective, even if he isn't, again, this pinpoint command pitcher. But in terms of his uh, issues and what he needs to move, improve moving forward, I think it's some of the same stuff we talked about with Smishover. He's got a very electric arm from the right side. The delivery can be a little bit violent at times, a little bit rushed at times. The arm speed is a blessing and a curse if he's not synced up. Um and the one element with Waldrop that's really fascinating is his split change is maybe his best pitch. That's also a pitch that at times is more of a chase offering than a miss in the zone offering. And so we saw during the spring with Florida teams that were really prepared to face that pitch were sitting on it. And if he's not able to establish that pitch in the zone, the fastball becomes a lot more hittable. You can wait for that heater. Uh, it doesn't have the most explosive life, although velocity is pretty impressive. So I think for him, two things either improving the fastball command overall just so he's able to get ahead and counts early and then that splitter can play up or alternatively like being able to locate the split change in the zone i think will allow him more room for error for all of his other pitches so those are going to be two elements that i'm really intrigued by the braves have tried to help his um rhythm and tempo on the mound just so he can be a little bit more consistent um, they, they tried pitching him out of the stretch at times to focus on that. I don't think that's something that he's going to do long-term, but just trying to improve the delivery in the same way that AJ Smith-Shawver, uh, attempted that as well. But in terms of pure stuff, I think outside of Paul Skeens, he maybe has, uh, the biggest upside of any 2023 arm. Just it's, it's electric stuff with the fastball, the slider that we haven't really talked about too much in that split changeup. Absolutely. So as we kind of get through the top five here, I do want to ask about the next two pitchers on the top 10 for this year, J.R. Ritchie, Ritchie and Owen Murphy. Murphy was the first round pick last year. He was the higher ranked pitcher, but Ritchie jumped him in this year's rankings. What did Ritchie show this year to kind of move ahead of Murphy when you're stacking up the top 10 for the Brave system? Yeah, he jumped him and it was also a season where he missed most of it because of Tommy John surgery. So he had to be really dominant in, in the innings. He was actually on the mound to make that move because Owen Murphy had a really strong season in his own right. I think in terms of strikeout rate, in terms of innings logged, he was one of just 10 teenage pitchers to throw at least 80 innings. He had a 30% strikeout rate, 21.2% uh, K minus uh, walk rate. So good numbers overall in a good season. But I think Richie's stuff 
and command has just continued to be really impressive. Coming out of high school, he was a guy who was always viewed as this really advanced pitcher who had great feel for a three-pitch mix. The slider, I think, has been better than advertised in high school. His ability to manipulate that pitch, locate it in the zone, really command it at an extremely high level for his age. I mean, it was a dominant pitch. You could make a case right now that it's one of the better sliders in the system, which I think a year ago, uh, saying that, I would have been really surprised. So the fact that that pitch has been so good, um, I think is a really um, good indicator for him moving forward. Um, and he's just continued to throw strikes at a very, very high level. The command is excellent. The fastball is not the super overpowering pitch, but it's got a chance to be above average. And the changeup is solid as well. So I really think for him, the slider that he showed when he was healthy was maybe a, a separator for me. And, and just talking with scouts who lined them up, I think they were really, really excited about Richie, whereas Murphy, it was more like he's very solid now. There are a few question marks we still have for him moving forward. Um, and I, I think just the pitching ability between Richie and Murphy is, is probably pretty significant at this stage. Absolutely. All right. Well, Carlos, that was a great look at the pitchers that make up the top half of this top 10. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. and We'll dive into the bottom half and who just missed the cut right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BaseballAmerica. Just go to Indeed.com slash BaseballAmerica right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BaseballAmerica. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the Braves Top 10 Prospects Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Carlos Colazzo. Carlos, we broke down the top half of the Braves Top 10 Overall Prospects before the break. Now I want to dive into the back half of this list. And as we talked about, the top five players in this system are all pitchers. The highest ranked hitter in this farm system is David McCabe. He was a fourth round pick a year ago out of UNC Charlotte. Uh, had a prolific career there, hit 30 home runs over his final two seasons, came out here in his first full season. And while he was a college player in the lower levels, you have to take with a grain of salt, he was productive, hit 17 homers, stole 10 bags, drove in 75 runs, solid slash line across the board. What in your conversations with evaluators, both inside and outside the Braves system, elevated David McCabe to the top as the best position player prospect in this organization? Yeah, coming into this process of of kind of reshaping and just updating the Braves list, I did not expect McCabe to be the top ranked hitter on the board. I kind of entered it thinking Ignacio Alvarez, who we have number eight overall, would be that guy. Um, Drake Baldwin, uh, a catcher who we have ranked number seven, I thought would also have a chance for the top spot. And then I kind of had McCabe in the middle of this system, but you know, as I dug into the numbers a little bit more, as I talked with scouts who who really liked him a bit more, I kind of came to the conclusion that all these players are sort of in the same tier. I think you could make a a real argument to line these guys up in any order you want. We have 45 high grades on all of them. So I think it's most likely platoon backup roles on a good team. Um, So it's not like any of these guys project to be impact everyday players right now. They all have their warts. But when I was looking at them, it just felt like the conviction I had from McCabe's overall offensive tool set and skill set just pushed him towards the top of that list. I mean, if you look at his hit and power grades compared to Baldwin and Alvarez, um, you just average those out. If you want to do like a rough uh, view of like what, what we think of them offensively, McCabe's would be the highest of the group. He's a plus hitter with plus raw power um, or, or not a plus hitter. He's a switch hitter with plus raw power from both sides. He had one of the better walk rates in the class. He doesn't chase very often. He makes a lot of contact. Um, so I just feel like he's got a chance to be a guy who gets on base and hits for power even if there are questions about his defensive uh, role, I think in the past I've been burned chasing up the middle, really exciting defensive profiles when maybe like it's just easier to say, you know, the hit tool is the most important offense is the most important. If you can hit, they'll find a spot for you. That's kind of where I was at, but I do think these guys are all very close and we can kind of get into the nitpicks and the warts in the profile if you want to. But at the end of the day, there was just a lot more conviction than I was expecting to hear with McCabe's overall offensive ability. And, and that's why he's the top ranked hitter in this class or in this uh, system. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, we're talking about three guys here who all do good things, but um, similar bucket and, and none of them project to be superstars by any means. And look, a guy, a switch hitter who can get on base and hit for power. That's a valuable player um, in terms of what he needs to do moving forward. Cause again, we are talking about, a college draftee who did all of his damage at the class A levels this year. What's the next step for him at double A? What's going to be his biggest challenge and thing to work on? 
Yeah, I think for him, maybe you could pick apart the hit tool in terms of pure contact ability a little bit more. Uh, his other skills really stand out, just swing decisions, plate discipline, plate skills, uh, and the raw power is really solid. So I think at the next level, like, is he going to have issues making contact more consistently? If that's the case, you could maybe have more questions about the overall offensive upside. How often is he going to tap into that plus raw power that he does have? Um, is he going to be a guy who, if he can't make enough contact, the OBPs are going to suffer enough, even though he seems to make strong um, swing decisions. And he is 23 and has yet to play in double A, or, or excuse me, he, he just finished his age 23 season. Next year it'll be age 24. So you could critique the age a little bit as well. Um, I'm not sure how much more he has to gain or improve defensively. He just seems like a limited defender who's probably going to be on a corner in some capacity. And both the infield corners in Atlanta seem to be locked up for a long time. So <laughs> he's going to like, like if he's going to impact that lineup, not in a DH spot where the offensive bar is so high, you're probably looking at a corner outfield position and he's not a great runner either. So if he can improve as a defender or as a runner, that would be awesome for his profile. I just don't know how much ability he has to improve those at this stage as a soon to be 24 year old. Um, but those are some of the questions you could have. And I really think if he can continue to prove his offensive chops stick in double A AA and triple A, it'll it'll just make you feel more confident that he is a useful player in some capacity at the big league level. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, switch hitters with thumb, someone will find a spot somewhere, even if it's as a trade where he goes somewhere, maybe a second division team. And who knows, maybe he's able to help the Braves uh, make a, a big trade this offseason. We know they yeah. pursued Aranola, weren't quite able to make that happen. We saw them trade out some of their their talented young starters who've had injury issues, Kyle Wright, Mike Soroka. So uh, there might be some some spots in the opening day rotation. That certainly is a player that could certainly uh, be used as part of a trade package to go get an arm, wink, wink. Um, Looking at the bottom of this system, it rounds out with, again, two players who are similarly sort of in that that 45-grade bucket where you know it's high risk. If everything works out, they're, they're probably more complementary players than, than superstars in Drew Hackenberg and Cade Cooler. Is it Cooler? Kyler? How do you say his last name? Uh, I've heard Keeler and, and yeah. Cooler. I, I believe it's Cade Keeler, but I'm not positive. I'll have to double check on that. All right. How many guys would you say – we're in the mix for the top 10 that fell just outside of it because this 45 yeah. high bucket that there tends to be a large grouping of players there, but again, the grades aren't perfect. There's nuance within there. Mm. How many other players were kind of a consideration for the top 10 of the system? Would you say? I would say these two and then two more pitchers. Uh, I really went back and forth on. And again, I think you can make a case to, to have these guys as low as 11 and 12 with Dylan Dodd and Darius Vines inside the top 10. For me, I went with Hackenberg and Keeler because I think they have more upside potential, even though Dodd and Vines are both players who have big league value now. Um, Dodd can be a back of the rotation arm. I don't think he was quite as good as maybe the Braves were hoping he could be. Darius Vines, same thing. Like These are guys who don't have overwhelming pure stuff, but they're really advanced pitchers. Um, they're kind of those quad A up-down types at the very least, which is valuable over the course of regular season. Um, particularly with a team like the Braves, who has had a lot of attrition on the pitching side, just injury-wise. A lot of arms just haven't been reliable for them down the stretch health-wise, so you need you need those arms. Um, so I think you could easily make a case for those guys to be inside the top 10 just based on now big league proximity value, e even if you think they're more like number six starters um, in all likelihood. I went with Hackenberg and Keeler just because they both have a chance to be a little bit better than that. Some of this is just, you know, they haven't had as much of a chance to fail as Dodd and Vines have. They're kind of the fresh new arms in the system. 
but they were viewed as top three round picks in the draft. That's where they went. I think people were maybe a little bit surprised with the bonus that Drew Hackenberg got. He is a draft eligible sophomore. I think that helps him in the in the leverage department and just getting the, the biggest bonus he can. But the Braves also are really excited about him. I think Hackenberg compared to Keeler probably is more likely to start in the long run. Cade Keeler maybe has more electric fastball life and a better breaking ball, but has a little bit more reliever risk. So depending on what profile you like and what kind of flavor of a pitcher you like, you could reorder those guys. But again, the Braves do a good job with pitchers uh, and, and these players are both pretty, pretty well regarded in the draft entering the year as well. So you could really put them in whatever order you wanted, but those were the the kind of four that I was debating on to round out the top 10 here. Yeah. And just kind of put it in context nine of the top 12 prospects in the system are pitchers. So we are seeing kind of a clear theme here that pitching is where the strength of this farm system lies. And we talk about the major league team, what they need, where they're set. There just seemed to be a nice alignment there. Cause as we've talked about, again, they've certainly had plenty of good pitchers over the last few years, but it's naturally positioned where there's going to be more attrition than there is again, barring a, an odd series of catastrophic injuries, which do happen to certain teams on the position player side. But all things being equal, you're going to need more depth on the pitching side. So again, there does seem to be a nice alignment here with what the Braves need and what they have. Yeah, I think you said that really well. I think they definitely need as much pitching depth as they can get. They've been one of the more aggressive teams on pitching in the draft in recent years. It's a, it's a demographic they've targeted up high. Uh, they've they've used extra money and overslot signings down low. Um, and like I said, they're also a team that I'd say you probably put them in the top third of, of organizations in baseball right now just for their reputation to develop arms. You could certainly pick nits with how high you'd want to place them, but certainly um, better than most organizations in terms of what they're able to get out of arms. So it seems to line up well with, like you said, where they're at. One question I want to ask is the other thing we've talked about, the 12 names you've given us, the top 12 prospects in the system, they're all domestic draftees. As we talked about, the Braves had those international signing penalties. They were essentially locked out of signing international players for a few years. Now they're back. That tends to be a much longer process. What is the state of the international talent in the system right now as you build out the top 30? How many mm. international guys are there? Just give me kind of an idea. Where do they stand now with international prospects? Because it can be hard to build that back quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are back in the mix. It seems like in next year's international class, they're linked to one of the more talented players in the class overall. They've they've had a few higher profile signings in recent years. None of those guys have panned out so far. So I think that's kind of the question. Like, it's always very hard to, before these players are an affiliated ball and actually playing, it's hard to get a read of, of actually how talented they are. I mean, they've got players like Ambioris Tavares, who's a really impressive defender, but who has massive Hitting questions, um, Geraldo Quintero is another interesting middle infielder, Diego Benitez. All these guys are sort of interesting international players that really need to prove it. Uh, I think the most exciting right now in the system is probably Luis Guanipa, who's an outfielder who has some of the, the best all-around tools in the system. But again, he's so far off. He's so young. Um, the evaluation of the hit tool is just the biggest question. And a guy like that is just going to have to prove it before he can jump up into this range of players so you can see real paths to big league value. So I would say like it would have been ideal if one of their international players over the last few years had hit and really shot up the rankings like we've seen with some other systems that really seem to do a good job. Like the Brewers, I think of as a team that really hammers the international market and does an excellent job. It's not quite there yet, but you can at least see the Braves being linked to 
interesting, talented players in any given year on the international front. And I think that is absolutely essential if you want to, like you said earlier, backfill the system and maintain just this wave after wave of talent. You've got to be hitting the draft well. You've got to be hitting the international market well. Um, historically, the Braves have done the draft pretty well. And now they're back in in the, kind of that fighting range on the international side. So it's just a matter of like, what are the steps forward these young guys are going to take? Um, and do, are they going to get anyone who just immediately clicks right away? So far, that hasn't happened, but there's certainly some tools and some athleticism and some intriguing profiles right now to at least monitor for the future. Carlos, as we wrap up here, any sleepers in the system you're kind of high on? Yeah, there's a few guys. Um, I will go with another pitcher, shockingly. I mean, Lucas Braun was a lower... I think he was an eighth or ninth rounder this year, 2023 draftee. He was second to Hurston Waldrop in innings this year, and he had a phenomenal debut. I think it's a really advanced four-pitch mix. He showed an extreme ability to throw strikes and just command all of his offerings. So if he's able to sort of maintain that strike-throwing ability and continue to miss bats as he progresses up the system, I think he could be another one of these um, kind of sleeper arms that the Braves do a nice job identifying, scouting, and developing I think I would put Braun somewhere near the top of the group in terms of just strike throwing ability and command. Uh, and, and that I'd say is a pretty, pretty impressive just considering the amount of other pitchers he has to compete with and considering his draft stock there. So that'd be one, maybe another interesting guy further down. I'm really intrigued with Sabin Ceballos, uh, who is also a 2023 draftee. He's got really big raw power. He's got a big arm from the left side. So if he's able to, show a solid hit tool and show solid swing decisions. There are some impact tools that he has on the position player side. So there's a pitcher and a hitter who could be intriguing. Hey, two West coast guys, Lucas Braun, Cal State Northridge, seven Ceballos, uh, Oregon. There so, you go. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if they're able to, uh, to click and uh, make you look prescient here a year from now. <laughs> All right, so. Carla, any, uh, any final thoughts here as we wrap up uh, the brave system? Um, no, not particularly. I mean, I don't think this is a system that people are going to be jumping up and down about, but the Braves are jumping up and down right now because they're on a six, six division winning streak and annually a World Series contender. So uh, again, hopefully in the next few years, you either see uh, a few of these young hitters take steps forward or the Braves just invest a little bit more in some impact hitting prospects because that's the one area of weakness for the system. Um, but for now, I think they're in a good spot. Yeah, like you said, six straight division titles, a World Series in there, won the most games in the majors a year ago. They're doing just fine. Uh, there's plenty of time for the system to backfill. There, there's no alarm bells that should be ringing for the fact this is a bottom five farm system. And like we said, it's getting better. It's not going to be the number 30 farm system again this year. And just take time. And in the meantime, enjoy the winning product at Truist Field because that's what matters most. And the Braves are certainly doing that and, and very, very good and a very, very entertaining team and historically good offense. Carlos, thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate your insight as always. Thanks, Kyle. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another Top 10 Prospects podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Carlos Colazzo, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.